Hello once again, all you geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio, welcoming you to day 12 of our Geekville Radio anthology for National Podcast Post Month, a.k.a. Napod Pomo. As I said, we're now day 12, almost halfway through. And this one's a doozy, folks. We're going to take a giant leap back in time, the biggest one we've made yet in this Geekville Radio Anthology. We are going all the way back to the year of our Lord, 2013. Now, why are we going back that far? Well, we're taking a giant leap back in time to talk about one of the biggest giants in the history of films. And it is everybody's favorite kaiju, Godzilla. If you're a Godzilla fan, this is definitely the episode for you. Because even though this episode's 10 years old... The reason we did it was we covered all of the Godzilla films that Toho made, the Japanese Godzilla films, from the beginning all through 2004's Godzilla Final Wars. At the time we recorded that show, we were anxiously anticipating Gareth Edwards' 2014 Godzilla film, which became the first film in what we now know as the MonsterVerse, with Godzilla and Kong and all those, and... That also means we're going to be getting soon a Godzilla Kong Hidden Empire, which is going to continue the MonsterVerse. And we are right around the corner from getting Monarch Legacy of Monsters, that series on Apple TV, which stars the great Kurt Russell. I've heard myself and Crazy Train say that anything with Kurt Russell can't be anything less than a 7 out of 10. But that's not all. We are also getting the first... Toho Godzilla film since 2016 and Godzilla minus one. So really the only Toho movie we don't talk about here is the 2016 Shin Godzilla because that movie just hadn't come out yet. But we do talk everything else up until then. I think we even mentioned the 1998 Roland Emmerich film, which fans like me call Gino. More about that in the actual episode. So enough about me yapping. This is Geekville Radio, geekvilleradio.com, Geekville Radio on the Facebook Twitter slash X and Instagram. And we are jumping back in time to 2013 to discuss The King of the Monsters, the history of Godzilla in film. Geekville Radio. Did you hear that, kids? The infamous roar and sound theme music of the one and only King of the Monsters, Godzilla. That is the subject of this week's Geekville podcast. And returning for a second week in a row, I do have Mr. Ega316 from the boards. Greg, how are you feeling? Um, fantastic. Yeah. Glad to be back. Glad to be back. We're here to talk about kaiju and giant monsters and demolishing Tokyo and general rubber suit uh, craziness. I guess I can start it off with that. I think it was Channel 66 uh, that started it off for me. It had to have been in the early 80s. And because uh, Channel 66 in Chicago went on to become a Spanish language station. And uh, then I think it started either in Channel 50 or Channel 32. It's the the, uh, the local Fox network affiliate now. But in the, in the 80s, it was pure UHF. I think that's where really I got most of my Godzilla fix. It was... 
Sunday afternoons, I want to say, maybe late late Sunday mornings, they would show the traditional Godzilla uh, Monster Fest film. And I think that's kind of really where it all got started for me. Uh, Greg, is that uh, story similar for you? Yeah, pretty close. Um, uh, yeah, there were where I grew up. I mean, it was kind of north of Pittsburgh. We could get um, stations from a few um, other cities around. I mean, sometimes if the wind was blowing right, we could get Youngstown stations. Sometimes we got one from Altoona and um, in a different uh, cities that had UHF stations in uh, that general vicinity. And um, typically it was, you know, Saturday afternoons, they would play um, some kind of a monster movie of some sort. Uh, Godzilla's were always a favorite and I um, tried to catch as many as I could. And uh, oh, I can remember being probably five, six years old and uh, thinking those were the coolest things ever and wanting to read every book I could get my hands on about Godzilla. And uh, I had a Godzilla toy, which um, I played with and played with and it somehow held together and my son has now discovered it he is now that age and he thinks it's really cool and i've bought him a lot of the souped up new toys which you can find at pretty much any toys r us yeah he actually got a mothra just a couple weeks ago he'd been asking for and he thinks that's pretty cool yeah. godzilla of course the first film was in 1954 and i believe Godzilla had actually gone through several different thoughts or incarnations because the the original Japanese name is, of course, Gojira, G-O-J-I-R-A, which... Gojira. Yeah, which, if my understanding is correct, grammatically in Japanese means gorilla whale. Yeah, it was like, I think, if I'm remembering right, it was, um, the Japanese word for gorilla is basically gorira. It's just um, gorilla, just the way they pronounce it, and uh, then... The Japanese word for whale is Kujira. So they just combined Gorira, Kujira, and had Gojira. And of course, Americans, we, we hear that and we know that the L is not part of the Japanese dialect. So it just ca- kind of phonetically sounded like Godzilla to us. At, at least that's kind of how I always figured. Yes, it was uh, Americanized to that. And uh, it's just as well because it's uh, catchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I don't know, there's... I guess it adds a little more menace to it having God at the beginning. Yeah. And that that was one thing um, with the 1998 remake. The reason why the character from that movie was just known as Zilla in Japan is because there was nothing godly about it. Yeah. That uh, Godzilla Final Wars thing. And I, I think we'll probably get to that mm-hmm. go chronologically. But there, there were two things that I liked about that movie and really only two things. And okay. I'll leave that as a teaser for when we get to it. But... Yeah, keep listening to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't just stop right now. You gotta listen to the whole thing. You've committed. You've clicked on play. What else are you really gonna do? So just stay here, yeah. listen to me and Seth. Yeah. I, I was gonna say don't touch that dial, but you know, there's no channels to change, I guess. Yeah, and, and, and you're free to do whatever you like as you're listening to us. Um you can touch whatever dials you want. I don't care. Just don't click away. But yeah, the original Gojira film came out in nineteen fifty-four. And I don't know if, have you ever seen the film, Greg, the, the original Gojira? Indeed I have. I have the DVD two disc. Yeah. Yeah. In my collection, it's got the um, Americanized Godzilla King of the Monsters, which had Raymond Burr inserted into it. And it has the original Japanese Gojira, which is um, also, well, they're both good films on the, in their own merit. They're both excellent. Um, the Japanese version, I think, is a little more grim. It's really a pretty potent anti-war, anti-nuclear film. I mean, it really shows the mass suffering that was caused up close and really shows the death toll in a way that 
Um, a lot of monster movies don't. Right. Yeah, agreed. Because it really isn't so much of a monster film as much as it is a story of tragedy. Mm-hmm. And there's no real protagonist in it, per se. Uh, you, there's certainly no swashbuckling good guy. Right. And so many monster films since that, I think, really kind of lost that. And they're they're good films. I mean, the, the Raymond Burr Godzilla film is still fun in its own right, but it's still mm-hmm. kind of the straight-up giant monster climbs out of the sea and mashes Tokyo. But the original Gojira, I mean, there was a love triangle involved. There was kind of the whole kind of moral and am- ambiguity of this, what, what Dr. Sarazawa was saying about how the, the, this, this can be used as a weapon. And if this stays around, you know, the, this can be used for even worse evil than what's what's going on here. Uh, and, of course, there was no knockdown drag out with Godzilla. They actually kind of followed Godzilla into his lair and ambushed him there with that oxygen destroyer, which you know, ripped flesh off his bones. That's that's one of the things that kind of stayed the same in the, the Raymond Burr film was they, they kept that uh, Dr. Sarazawa, if, I, if I'm pronouncing the name correctly, I, I think I am. I think so. Yeah. yeah that, that he sacrifices himself because he knows even if he stays alive, he could be made to make the weapon again, the oxygen destroyer. Yeah, and he didn't want that to fall into anyone else's hands. Yeah. So went down with his own weapon and sadly put it into that awesome eye patch he was rocking. Although that actor, uh, Akihiko Harada, I believe, was made. Sounds right. Yeah, he he went back to be in several Godzilla films playing both heroes and villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, for me, it was uh, it was always fun to see him in it, even though obviously I... I'm usually listening to a dubbed over version of him, but he just looked like he was having fun. He, he usually kind of had a regal presence to him, but at the same time, you can tell he's, you know, he's usually having fun, especially when he's playing bad guys. Mm-hmm. One of the things I think that's, that's worth mentioning in, for anybody that has not seen the original Godzilla, either the Raymond Burr or the original Gojira is, of course, they kill Godzilla because you know, obviously they did not know that it was going to be this huge success and make future films. Yeah. That was the first. Godzilla of, I want to say, well, I've lost count now, but there's had to, uh, not counting alternate realities or real reboots and all that. There's probably at least four. I want to say that had, uh, that had been because the, the next one, the second Godzilla would have shown up and what's the first of being called the Showa era. I believe it was named after Emperor Showa. Yep. And that was Godzilla raids again, which just has another Godzilla on a, nearby island that just just happened to be seen. It was also the first time that Godzilla fights another monster, of course, being uh, Anguirus. And this film was dubbed over more or less straight up, uh, simplified a little bit, and it was released in the States as Gigantus the Fire Monster. And one of the characters, I don't know which one specifically, but one of the characters is actually voiced by young George Takei. Yes. Yeah, and, and you can kind of tell when watching it, you can recognize Takei's voice. It's pretty distinctive, so... And then the third film in the series, I believe, is was the King Kong versus Godzilla, which holds the distinction of the U.S. and the Japanese versions being not just a little different, but entirely different. Yeah. Yeah. The, the um, Japanese version was more of a spoof. And yeah, there was that rumor going around for many, many years, uh, which I think was perpetuated by... Um, Forrest J. Ackerman in Famous Monsters magazine, just back in the back in the sixties, the Monster Kid boomer heyday when um, these magazines were pretty much how you got your monster info on stuff you hadn't seen before there was home video and things of that nature. And uh, 
it started that rumor that um, Godzilla actually won in the Japanese version, which mm-hmm. um, I don't believe is the case. What's always funny to me, even as a little kid, because I, I had to go back to the original King Kong, but King Kong versus Godzilla, King Kong's a heck of a lot bigger than he was in any American film. He grew, had to, I don't know, he was taking his vitamins or something to yeah. uh, tangle with Godzilla. It, it, so otherwise, that would have been a pretty quick fight. He must have been something in that berry juice that they kept making for him that, that made him drunk. King Kong was not subject to a wellness policy. Yeah. <laughs> I do wellness policy. You must not consume these drugs before smashing Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> and Garris has been suspended for 30 days under yeah. the uh, total wellness policy. It's his first violation. And then, of course, that brings us to Mothra versus Godzilla, which is also one of the, uh, the few times where Godzilla actually does the job. I think I was released in the States as Godzilla versus the thing. Cause yeah, I don't think Mothra had actually been released in the States at that time. Uh, and they were kind of trying to pull a fast one that you would think that it was a crossover between Godzilla and the thing from another world, mm-hmm. which it was not. And again, that would have been a pretty quick fight too. I would think Godzilla stepping on James Arness for my money. That's one of the best ones as far as, um, film quality, the, yeah. um, Godzilla versus Mothra. I agree for a couple of reasons. One is for its time, the effects are actually really good. Obviously, it's it's 50 years old now, so it its age shows. But it's got a competent story to it. It's not just, oh, no, Godzilla's back again. There is a story with the, the, the Mothra egg. And the best thing I like about it is they went to great lengths with the dubbing. You actually have to look sometimes to see if it's dubbing because the... Producers for the American release actually decided to go in and rather than just do a direct translation of what's being said, they decided to try to choose words that more matched with what the lips were moving to. So some of the direct translation might have been lost, but it actually makes for a more convincing dub because it fits with what the uh, the actors are saying. Right. Yeah, and it makes a difference. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a little higher quality than a lot of them. And um, I guess maybe it was... Well, again, I'm sure it was a cash cow for Tokyo at that, or for um, Toho at that point, but uh, it uh, was still being treated uh, fairly well as far as budget. Although I don't know that Godzilla ever really got disrespected as heavily as some properties have. They seem to show him uh, a fair bit of respect, I thought. And then that brings us to the classic, what I think a lot of people would call the classic Godzilla, because when Godzilla's the heroic monster, fighting the likes of King Ghidorah, uh, Megalon, uh, the, the giant crab, um, Ibira, and uh, the smog monster, Hedera. I remember when I saw Godzilla versus the smog monster, a.k.a. Godzilla versus Hedera, I was seeing it with friends and whatnot, and we made just about every pun out of Hedera that, that you could make of. Oh, I guess he's going to go to the Hedera class. Oh, he's, oh, 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 see, he's Hedera right out there. <laughs> Yeah, that movie's pretty trippy. I mean, I remember I, it was not really shown on TV when I was a kid. Um, I finally saw it on Sci-Fi Channel probably 15 years ago. And um, uh, it, it was, um, yeah, it kind of blew my mind. Uh, just uh, It has a much different feel than uh, the ones that came before it. And um, I finally got a copy at a uh, convention out here a couple years ago, but it's hosted by an Ohio horror host by the name of Son of Ghoul, who, unbeknownst to me, mocks his movies more than Mystery Science Theater 3000 did. So it's pretty well chopped up and just dubbed over with um, goofy sounds and things like that. Like every time Godzilla roars, instead of you hear Fat Albert saying, hey, 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 
And that's actually pretty darn funny. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, if you, if you have a few brews in you, it's that much funnier. Yeah, it's good stuff. And the climax of this movie, because you got to remember, throughout all this movie, there there's this psychedelic rock track. There's a guy drinking sake who sees fish heads on people. Uh, there, there's all sorts of crazy animated stuff that's anti-pollution that, that just depicts hetera as sucking on large factory smoke. But for some reason, the news of this giant smog monster spreads and the stupid teenagers, and really what's a movie without stupid teenagers in it, they decide that they're going to throw a party on top of Mount Fuji. Now, how teenagers climb Mount Fuji, I don't know, but they seem to get on top of Mount Fuji and it looks like a prairie farm. Yeah, they had excellent endurance and they were surprised to find what they did. Yeah. yeah. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Yeah, maybe they've been studying JBL's mountain mountain climbing or, or something. <laughs> so uh, Edera shows up and knock down, drag out with Godzilla. And I remember this one was so bad that one of the originators of Godzilla, Yoshimitsu Banu, basically forbid the director from ever making another Godzilla film. <laughs> that's, that's how bad it was. It, it's a shame it never made it to Mr. Science Theater because that would have been some great material there. Speaking of Mr. Science Theater, we, we do have another show that'll be devoted to MST3K in the future. So you Misties, uh, we're, we're going to be reaching out to you too. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. There were, oh boy, which films did they show on MST3K? Which Godzilla films? I know they did Godzilla versus Megalon and I believe it was Gigan. Yeah. 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 Gigan showed up as, um, he was kind of the secondary character in that movie. Um, secondary threat. Um, they probably just reused stock footage from Godzilla versus Gigan. Yeah. Um, yeah, they also, I want to say. They did the one with Jet Jaguar. Yeah, that was Godzilla versus Megalon. Okay. Godzilla and Jet Jaguar, which was, yeah, Toho's Ultraman yeah. versus um, Megalon and Gigan. And surprisingly, I don't think they did Godzilla versus Gigan, which um, that was that's a weird, weird film in its own right, because it's the one where Godzilla and Anguirus actually speak to each other. Yeah, they're actually speaking in English in the, the, uh, like, oh, we must go here. Yeah. There's something funny going on. Let's go check it out. And that's my best impersonation of how they spoke. Yeah, it's probably better than, probably better than I did. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. You, you're right about Megalon. The other one was Godzilla versus the Sea Monster. Aha, uh-huh, yes. That's, that, that's the other one they did where Godzilla fights with Ibira, the, giant crab and the first time he shoots him with his fire breath the, the crab turns red which i thought was hysterical <laughs> so then if, if memory serves especially after hetera godzilla just had this total camp feel to it and i think toho was starting to realize it shortly after that they, they started to try to get more more serious with it yeah they did an about face when they did um the next one is mecha godzilla yeah well yeah i think well they, they did gigan and they did megalon and because I, I remember the American poster for Godzilla versus Megalon depicts Godzilla and Megalon on top of the World Trade Centers, which is funny because the movie never took place in New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's, they just decided to climb up there and say, oh, look what I can do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was an, an inspiration for the Jeff Bridges uh, King Kong remake. But yeah, come to think of it. Yeah. That was a few years later. Somebody yeah. saw that poster and said, hey, Kong can do that. Yeah. yeah and then let's bring in, let's bring in the future dude, you know, to be the. Be the protagonist. But yeah, I think it was Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla where they started getting serious again. And it goes back to the thing about the only real camp to it is the fact that the, the movies just did not age very well. Mm-hmm. 
as far as the the effects went. But I remember Terror of Mechagodzilla is a direct sequel to Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. It's like Terror picks right up where the previous one left off. Yeah, and the first five minutes or so of Terror are pretty much a recap of Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. So really, Terror is the only one you need to see because mm-hmm. it pretty much condenses it and you get to see, um, yeah, the the bogus Godzilla attacking Anguirus and um, the reveal and uh, the most of the final battle is there. And really, it's the it's a good way to watch it. Yeah, and, and it's uh, worth noting that Terror of Mechagodzilla, they, they actually went back to Ishiro Honda, who was the director of the original Gojira. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this is the, the really the last of the films to depict Godzilla as any sort of hero. Uh-huh. You know, all the rest of them, he's just kind of the chaotic, neutral force of nature. Mm-hmm. And it, it was the last film for about 10 years because I don't know if the film just didn't do terribly well. Yeah, the box office was probably down. Although Godzilla did show up on Zone Fighter around that time, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. The TV series. Uh, although you could see the costume was not aging all that well yeah. in the show. And it was, yeah, again, an Ultraman-type TV show. I don't think it was ever brought to the United States. Okay. But while, while we're still on the Showa series, th- was Destroy All Monsters the one that had King Caesar in it? Um, King Caesar was in... Oh boy, let me think. Uh, he, he was probably in Destroy All Monsters because that kind of had everybody. Um, I, I think, I thought he was in Godzilla versus Gigan. Um, let's double check. Uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. I was wrong. Okay. Oh, okay. So he is in Mechagodzilla. All right. Good. Yeah. He came and kind of helped Godzilla. Okay. Woke him up inside that mountain. Yeah. King Caesar Romero. <laughs> no. And Joker make up with a mustache. And you know? I like, yeah, he, yeah, he just kind of painted over it. Okay. Yeah dog makeup you gotta love a monster that blocks energy blasts with its face (laughs) (laughs) some durable eyeballs yeah but then of course he can turn around and channel it right back which is why he would block blast with his face yeah don't buy him sunglasses that's kind of like the reverse cyclops effect i guess (laughs) godzilla pretty much laid dormant for the next 10 years they really didn't make any more films until it was called the return of godzilla in japan but in the states it was known as godzilla 1985 uh, I that just blew my mind when that came out and it was on tv yeah the other weekend and i remember it came out not long after it had hit theaters I, i'm guessing it must have died too but i remember it came out i think december of of 84 and i really wanted to go see it and, uh, for whatever reason my folks never took me and then like summer of 85 it was already on TV complete with the Babby Meets Godzilla short. Yeah. I believe I have a VHS with the two of those together. Because I remember when, I, when they showed it on, I want to say it was 32, uh, they, they showed the Babby Meets Godzilla at the, at the end of it. And one thing that is worth mentioning for this film, that just from a historical standpoint, remember I was talking about Akihiko Harada. He was actually going to be cast in this film, obviously as a, as a different role in Dr. Sarazawa. Uh, he was going to be that scientist, the track Godzilla, basically the main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had passed away shortly before filming began because he uh, smoked like a chimney. You notice he smoked in just about all of his movies. And so they went to one of his friends. It was uh, Yosuke Nat- Natsuki, who had actually was best friends with Akihiko Harada. And they'd actually made other films together. I believe they even made other other Godzilla films together. This one, what I liked about this film is it went back to basics. Godzilla was back to being the bad guy. And, of course, for the American release, Godzilla 1985, they brought back Raymond Burr playing the same character, Steve Martin. 
Oh, not the wild and crazy guy, Steve Martin. <laughs> yes. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, if they if they couldn't have gotten Raymond Burr back, it would have been interesting to see if they could have gotten Steve Martin. And that would have uh, pretty well goofed up the tone of the movie, but it might have been funny to watch. Yeah. Or they could have Steve Martin play a character called Ray Burr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> better yet. <laughs> see if he can handle a little dramatic turn. And if memory serves... The American producers originally were going to make it spoof-like and give it that crazy giant monster feel that so many people got from the 60s films, but Raymond Burr didn't want to do that. He wanted to do it as a serious film. I actually respect him for that because that voiceover that he has when Godzilla's falling into that volcano where he's talking about how nature sometimes just puts stuff out there to remind us how small we are, that's like total metaphor of Godzilla, you know? You know, li- living instrument of destruction, like he's a living hurricane or a tornado or something like that. Yeah, definitely. And one other thing that's worth mentioning is uh, something that was significantly edited from the Japanese version, other than some of the talks in the United Nations. But the scene in Godzilla 1985, where they have that Russian guy winds up launching a missile to try to stop Godzilla, that was actually heavily altered. Japanese version what is going on is the missile is going to go off on a failsafe and that that Soviet officer actually dies trying to stop it from happening. Uh-huh. But of course, in 1985 America, we can't depict the, the Russians as doing good things with the, uh-huh. well, the Cold War. They had to be bad guys, too. So you know, they rewrote it to make it be that he's got to launch this missile. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's kind of a product of um, its era in that respect. And it, it is an interesting um comparison to highlight but the two versions one of the things that i really like about this series that we're getting into this i believe it's the hensei series all of these films from godzilla 1985 or return of godzilla through the mid 90s all of them are in the same timeline they all acknowledge each other so it's like from here on all the other movies are direct sequel and it brings us to the next film which is really an interesting one in the series which is godzilla versus biolante What's funny, and I remember us talking about this because you were actually able to find an American dub of Godzilla versus Violante at, at some point. Uh-huh. Yeah, probably on VHS somewhere. I I might have it in my collection somewhere. Because I'd really, I'd seen bits and pieces of it on cable with, with English, but the, all the other times that I'd seen it, it was with Japanese dialogue and English subtitles. Now, I don't think there's really that much of a difference other than maybe... Again, adjusting the dialogue to what might fit for English grammar. <laughs> and this one just really, this one's not for little kids. Not that it's gory or anything like that, but Violante would probably give small kids nightmares. Yeah, he was kind of freaky. Well, he, he is literally a plant crossed with Godzilla cells. So you have this living plant with tentacles that have jaws on it and, and stuff like that. It's like the if the, the Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horrors was designed by Satan or something like that. <laughs> yeah, if I'm remembering you right, see, that was the nine. Because mm-hmm. um, that one picks right up with Godzilla climbing out of the volcano that he fell into in Godzilla 1985. Yeah, I'm just remembering comparing that to other giant carnivorous plant monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there was an episode, I guess it was probably a year or two before that, of uh, Transformers Headmasters, which I have the um, ridiculous English dub of. And 
there was an episode where Fortress Maximus had to fight a monster that was very similar to Biollante. Mm. And I don't think Biollante had been created yet. So surely they didn't crib the idea from a really, <laughs> a really bad Transformers series. I don't know. That's another discussion for another day, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're, we're going to do Transformers in a future Geekville as well. But as we progress through the 90s here, we're, we're done with Godzilla either being by himself or fighting monsters we hadn't heard of. 1991 brought us Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, which was campy, but still had that fun time travel story. Uh-huh. The, the story was that some aliens from the, the future, I think it's from the year 2200, they arrive in a submarine, which still looks a lot like a present day submarine. <laughs> and they decide that, you know, they're, they're going to pull the whole age of apocalypse thing and go back in time and kill a Godzilla before he becomes Godzilla back when he was still a, an unaltered dinosaur. Of course, the military or the scientists believe, oh, oh yeah. Oh, great idea. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And of course, any movie go with have a brain is like, oh, wow. They, they, they go back and they destroy Godzilla before it becomes Godzilla. Hey, wow, this is going to be a short movie. What could possibly go wrong after this? <laughs> and then they get back to modern time, and it turns out that the whole plot was to bring about King Ghidorah and have him basically help them rule the world. Well, yeah. Nobody to stop him. But then it turns out that by killing and moving the body of Godzilla, they put it to a place where it gets uh, absorbs the radiation of a nuclear sub, and then thus the a new, larger, more powerful Godzilla is born. <laughs> of course, it eventually leads to the knockdown dragout. There was a there was also a fun gag in this where there was a scene that happened on a Navy battleship. I think what happened was uh, he saw the craft that the main characters were in when they, when they time traveled, he's on this Navy battleship, you know, sees this and he's excited to tell his son someday. And they eventually they say, they, they say the character's name is major Spielberg. <laughs> now, of course, this is without him getting into why a major, which is an army or Marine rank would be on a Navy battleship. I, I don't know, maybe special forces or something. I don't know. But Spielberg goes where he wants to go. Yeah. Say no. This was also the one that had the very fast running cyborg who somehow runs normal, but is able to move really fast. <laughs> uh, was that, was it where they brought in, um, baby Godzilla as well? Uh, that may have been the next one. Okay. Er, yeah. That was, um, I think that might've been in, in Mothra. Okay. It, it just hit me there. You know, there's another scene in the movie where one of the, the women is, uh, reprogramming that Terminator like, uh, Android by putting a CD into his head. <laughs> you know, apparently 23rd century technology still runs off CDs. You know, I, I guess flash memory kind of fades out in the 22nd century or something. Bring him to his knees by installing Windows 3.1 in his head. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or I guess Windows 95. Boy, I'm um, getting my years mixed up. Yeah. yeah. Was Windows 3.1 even on CDs? Uh, yeah. You could even jam a floppy in there too. Because my, my copy of Windows 3.1 was on floppy, so mm-hmm. it, it, it wouldn't have taken up much space on a, on a CD. But that brings us to Godzilla versus Mothra, not to be confused with Mothra versus Godzilla. This is the 1992 film. And what's fun about this is that they brought in the anti-Mothra, Batra. Yes. And turns out that Godzilla is so badass, so much of a problem that Yin Yang, so to speak, Batra and Mothra have to band together to to fight off Godzilla. Yeah, they had a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that even 
gave birth to a, a new Mothra series, did it not? I think so. That that may have started after the after Godzilla vs. Destroyer was made because they, they there was a time where it was uh, it was dormant. But I, I could be wrong about that because I don't know nearly as much about Mothra as I do Godzilla. Nor do I. Yeah. Another one of my favorites was the second Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, you know, the 1993 film, because this is the the first time where I think Mechagodzilla actually really whoops on, on Godzilla. Yeah, he mauled him pretty badly. Godzilla was all set to do the job, and then there was a, was a run-in, wasn't there? Um, um, was it Rodan? Uh, yeah, yeah, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was Rodan in some form or another. They start doing tests on baby Godzilla and they find out that Godzilla's have a second brain in their ass. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so, like dinosaurs. Yeah. You know, they, they make Mecha Godzilla. They use that, that clamp, that clamp device on him. So they break Godzilla's back and apparently break his ass brain too. <laughs> and then Rodan does the run in and hits Mecha Godzilla with a chair or something like that and then transfers his essence into Godzilla. And then Godzilla comes back up and. That, I think I was, that was the, the debut of the super red breath blast. Yeah. His Godzilla's breath became like, um, Muda's mist. Did it not? Yeah. <laughs> different strengths. I think it's the second to last film of the Ensei series or what is it? The, uh, the Heisei series. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, the Heisei series. I just love the name Godzilla versus space Godzilla. Yeah. Space Godzilla. It's like his shoulders were made out of the material that Madonna uses for her bras. Yeah. Or maybe he, he was very pointy. Maybe for modern reference, uh, to Lady Gaga. Mm -hmm. but yeah. Same thing, pretty much. Space Godzilla was made because, like, the Biollante DNA flew out into space, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, it was again picking up where that one left off. Throughout the series, baby Godzilla starts getting older and becoming more Godzilla like. It's growing up. So you can no longer hug him and squeeze him and call him George. <laughs> and th this one's. Pretty straightforward. I mean, Space Godzilla just shows up and starts mashing, and Godzilla is kind of the lesser evil. And then that brings us to the final film in the in the Heisei series, Godzilla versus Destroyer, which arguably I think could be the best because this is the first fil film, obviously since the the original, that shows the death of Godzilla. Mm -hmm. What's happening is his inner workings are. Yeah, he was basically burning up. He was glowing. Yeah, he needed to vent radioactive gas or something, and he couldn't. Yeah. So, yeah, he started melting down. And um, and then, of course, you had Destroyer, which was um, spawned by the after effects of the Oxygen Destroyer, which killed the original Godzilla from 1954, mm -hmm. where, where basically it turned uh, crabs into these uh, monstrous uh, creatures that all were able to bond together and form a bigger monster. Which was able to do some severe damage. Yeah, like an organic Voltron or something. <laughs> They're just somehow able able to band together. And they also had the actress who played uh, Amiko in the original Gojira, uh, the one who was in, in that love triangle with Dr. Sarazawa. And uh, now I forget the protagonist in, in that one, but she actually shows up, basically warns of the dangers of this this happening. So it's right. It's pretty cool how it was able to tie in on many levels with the the original film. And I still say the effects of Godzilla dying, I think they still hold up today. Oh, yes. Uh, I can't remember if it's CGI or if it was just, you know, if they just melted uh, wax or, or, or what. But, I mean, you, you see his heart explode and he reels back and the flesh just kind of melts off the, the body. I mean, it's 
Uh, it really is dramatic, especially with the music and, and crying out as he melts. And yeah, it, you know, it, it got me right here. I'm tapping my chest right now as I say this. Yeah, it, it kind of did. Although in the massive fallout caused by his meltdown, the baby Godzilla absorbed enough radiation to become the new Godzilla. So it kind of didn't miss a beat for too long. But uh, it was uh, sad to see him go there for a couple minutes. And uh, that brings us to the Matthew Broderick Godzilla, which is, again, what we call Gino, Godzilla name only. And uh, I don't think we really need to waste our time on this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've ever watched the whole thing from beginning to end, but uh, I watched enough to know that I was uh, vastly disappointed. It's actually not that bad for a monster movie. But it's, it has no business having that name on it. Exactly. Getting the rub yeah. off of uh, having that name. And really, the monster has nothing to do, Zilla has nothing to do with Godzilla. I mean, maybe if they gave him a little more time on his own, he could develop his own monstery gimmick. But um, that has not happened, and I don't think it will. Yeah. And uh, so it really doesn't stand on its own merit because people don't really judge it that way. And then next up was to do was. 1999's Godzilla Millennium, or I think it was released here in 2000 as Godzilla 2000. And this was, again, a back to basics. Yeah, that was, I believe that's the only one I saw in the theaters. Godzilla yeah. 2000. I remember distinctly going to see that when it came out. And I was very glad to see a, a new proper Godzilla movie in the theaters. Or, that was where the villain was Orga, was it not? Yeah, and it's one of the best Godzilla kills of all time. Uh -huh. Yes, it was. Because... I think Godzilla's smart enough to figure out that Orga wants to eat him. So Orga starts opening up his, his mouth like, you know, like, like a python or something out of, out of V or Garfield, you know, just open that mouth up really, really large. So Godzilla starts trying to climb in. Okay. Yeah. And then, then as he's half in, Godzilla's spines begin to glow and he lets out the breath from, from within and little pieces of Orga go flying everywhere. Yeah. After that one, we had Godzilla versus Mega Gyrus. I think this was the only one, one of only two sets of films to have direct sequels from each other. Again, I'm going by memory here. They use the same suit and that suit looks, looks pretty cool. I can't remember now if it directly acknowledges Godzilla 2000 or not. Yeah, I don't recall either. Um, I remember a lot of big bugs. The Orkin man's worst nightmare, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, Godzilla will do the job that he's not able to i suppose because one of the things that bugged me about these movies that took place in the 2000s the late 90s and the 2000s is they, they kept becoming reboots mm -hmm. they they were just they'd acknowledged the 1954 film and then just ignored everything since yeah they did tend to go that route yeah whereas uh i don't know how often they needed to rehash the origin but they had godzilla uh giant monsters all-out attack which was directed by Shusuke Kaneko, who was the guy that rebooted Gamera in the mid nineties, which was fairly successful in its own right. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think I was Toho. That's a, that's a different film company right. that had Gamera. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. I forget the name of the company, but yeah, yeah. Godzilla and Gamera, contrary to popular beliefs, never did um, crossover. If you think you saw them fighting each other, what you actually saw was uh, Gigantus, the fire monster Godzilla raids again with uh, yeah. Anguirus fighting Godzilla. Since they're two completely different companies, it would be like Superman meeting Spider-Man in a movie. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Uh huh. And yeah, you're not going to have a clean winner because nobody wants their monster to put over the other company's monster and make them look bad. And, and you have a pro wrestling type situation, which, right. Come to think of it, Godzilla movies are sort of like, um, the giant lizard equivalent of pro wrestling. And that may be part of the appeal for me. You know, these 
seeing these big creatures wail on each other, I guess. I, I think it's kind of going off on a tangent, but people like us who are able to grow up watching these films as kids before technology really took off in the 90s, we were still able to grow up believing that these guys in rubber suits were, were monsters. And then, of course, as adults, we look back on it, it's like, yeah, they're guys in rubber suits, but that's also kind of the appeal of it. Going back to the Doctor Who stuff, oh, that's last like, week, you know, that, that's part of the appeal is, yeah, it's a guy in a rubber suit. That's what's fun about it. That's the charm. Yeah. And really, I mean, the effects on those movies, the miniature work is um, criminally underrated because mm -hmm. they put so much detail into those little things and into the suits and um, for them to build these uh, beautiful scale models and then to have them get wrecked in filming is almost a shame. But really, I mean, they cared about what they did and it was I, I, I'm a big fan of the practical effects. And this brings us to probably my favorite of the modern Godzilla films, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, not to be confused with Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. This one, it really had a pretty cool plot to it, in my opinion, because it, again, it's a reboot. It really only acknowledges the 1954 film, but it's the government that once again creates Mechagodzilla, but they do so using the bones of the original Godzilla. Yeah, that original Godzilla again. Keep yeah. dragging him up. Yeah. They're, they're, they acknowledge that this is a, another Godzilla, not the, not the original. And then after they start fighting Godzilla, the Mecha Godzilla starts going haywire because somehow like the, the essence or the, the soul of the original Godzilla is, is still, still exists and basically takes over Mecha Godzilla. The unquiet Godzilla spirit. Yeah. yeah. Which, if I'm not mistaken, that sort of goes back to an aborted idea they had in the mid-90s towards the end of the Heisei era. The original idea for Godzilla vs. Destroyer was going to be Godzilla vs. Godzilla, where he fought a reincarnation of the original Godzilla, mm -hmm. and that was going to be what did in Godzilla, but instead they decided that uh, they would create a new monster and have Destroyer, and, uh, and that worked out all right. Having two of them might have been a little bit confusing to some people, I get it. Which brings us to... Godzilla Tokyo SOS, which I really like. Now, the story really isn't as much because it pretty much does kind of pick up where the previous one left off. It acknowledges the previous film. But if you like monster fights, this is the one to see because it's literally like the, the entire second half of the movie is just a knockdown drag out. It's like a three-way dance between Godzilla, Mechagodzilla, and Mothra. I mean, I, I don't know how much you remember of this one, but uh, bits and pieces. Wow. Yeah, this one's really good if you like you like the fights. It's, it's like your the action movie analogy. It's, it's not much on on plot, but once Godzilla shows up, and it, it's like forty five minutes in the movie before Godzilla shows up. But after that, he just starts rampaging, and it's just nonstop throwdown from there. Yeah, and really, that's what we come to see anyway. I mean, we don't really need to see uh, the human interaction quite as much. Uh, and that was probably my big complaint about the one that came after it, uh, Final Wars, which uh, I enjoyed a lot of, but um, uh, not to get ahead of us, but we had... Um, it's the next film anyway, so we might as well. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah it, oh, boy. I, I seem to recall uh, these Matrix knockoff mm. characters and plot going on with the humans jumping around and power matrix gravity. Yeah. Uh-huh. And really, do we, do we really need that? I mean, is it really worth taking screen time away from the monsters for that. Uh, I tend to think not. Although Don Fry did steal the show. Yep. Don Fry was fantastic in that film. That that's one of the two things that I, that I liked. I mean, I re I really only don't even mind these matrix power Rangers 
in a Godzilla film. It's just this was supposed to be the ultimate Godzilla film because Toho went into it knowing that they're not going to make another film for 10 years. So this was supposed to be the big send off and it was supposed to have all the other classic monsters from Godzilla's past. But yet half the movie seems to be spent following these motorcycle riding Power Rangers around uh, uh, fighting each other. The two things I like is one is, yeah, you got to love Don Fry because uh, yeah, he just stands there and and grimaces out his lines. It's it's fantastic. And Don Fry has one of the most epic mustaches of all time. He sure does. Yeah. And that's a mustache I aspire to. I mean, I got I got a ways to go before I catch him. If a man could be judged by his mustache, uh, Don Fry would be ruler of all. But the other thing that I like is they actually have the fight between Godzilla and Gino. You know, Godzilla name only, aka Zilla from the the the, the Master Broderick Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And the, and that fight goes exactly how it should go. About 45 seconds, and it's, it's about two moves done, both of them by, by the real Godzilla. And, and yeah, the Sydney Opera House is no more. And they, they even make the line about, uh, the, you know, that tuna eating freak or something like that. Cause uh-huh. it's like, when did Godzilla eat fish? <laughs> yeah, we never really saw him eat, did we? Maybe. He, well, he feeds, yeah, he feeds on radiation. That's, that, that's yeah. how the classic Godzilla ate, so to speak. Yeah. Well, uh, that's not very filling. If you want to get a little, uh, roughage, a little, um, protein i guess he maybe he would maybe he did like tuna i don't know yeah. But, but yeah they never discussed how his breath smelled you know tuna has a rather distinct odor and um maybe he did partake of it from time to time or or maybe he just ate bigger fish that had eaten tuna i don't know because uh, the tuna would be mighty smaller and we hope you enjoyed this jump back 10 years in time and i do apologize for my equipment sounding different and one last thing, um, you will notice a difference in the audio quality in this, and that's just because this was 10 years ago. I had different equipment at the time. So I do apologize if there's any sort of change in the quality or something you might not like as much, but it's just it's technology. Things are much cooler now. They weren't quite as cool back then. All right, I jump back to modern day here, back to 2023. I hope you enjoyed this little trip down memory lane as we discussed all the Toho Godzilla movies. Hey, if you have a favorite Godzilla movie, let us know. We are at geekvilleradio.com. The Facebook and Twitter and Instagram are also Geekville Radio. You can even reply to the shows at geekvilleradio.com because there's a discuss extension there. Or you can reach me at Seth at geekvilleradio.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, pretty much you name it, you can find the Geekville Radio podcast family and check out our shows. Give us a follow, give us a subscribe, give us feedback, let us know what we're doing well, let us know what we could be doing better. I always appreciate feedback, especially when it's genuine. So I'm going to shut down the power here in Geekville Radio Studios, and we'll be back tomorrow for day 13 of a national podcast post-month. And since 13 is considered to be an unlucky number, I think we are going to go a little bit into the dark side of Geekville Radio. And no, we're not talking about Star Wars, but we will in future episodes. I'm talking more the macabre dark, the horror dark, shall we say. And we'll be diving into past episodes of our show Examining the Dead, which is devoted to horror and mysticism, Crazy Train, is the host of that show. I am actually the co-host of that. It's Crazy Train runs the show. And yeah, when you got an escape mental patient running a horror podcast, you never quite know what to expect. But 
The only other thing I'll mention about Examining the Dead is that it is the only Geekville radio show that we do that has a mature tag on it. So it's really not meant for young ears. It's not really a language thing. It's just more of a content thing. Since we are discussing horror and mysticism and gore and things like that, we got the mature tab on there just to cover that base. So if you don't like hearing about horror and gore and violence and all that stuff, you can skip that and we'll see you in day 14. But if you like that stuff, then we're definitely going to give you our best. So I'm going to shut down the power here, the Geekville Radio Studios, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow for day 13 of National Podcast Post Month and a look into examining the dead. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any products or services unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the hosts and or guests do not reflect the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, the Wrestling Brethren podcast, family, or any of their affiliates. Some media used in Geekville Radio is the product of their respective copyright holders, all rights reserved.